0: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor.
1: Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm speaking to you from New York City on the 22nd of October, 2019. I uh, like to remind you each week I am the author of Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. You can sign up for my newsletter that focuses almost entirely on uh, on the uh, exploration sector, the gold and silver exploration sector, we do talk, of course, a little bit about the, uh, uh, the, the economy and the markets in general, and we, we rely on our good friend Michael Oliver to pass a few of his uh, grains of wisdom along to our subscribers from time to time as well. Michael will be with me in just a minute to share some of his thoughts with you. I uh, would uh, like to suggest that you go to olivermsa.com, olivermsa.com, to learn more about Michael's work. Uh, it's excellent, which is why he's with us almost every week on this show. i uh, also like to encourage you to uh, go to Chen Lin's website, uh, chenpix.com, chenpix.com, to sign up for his excellent newsletter. Chen focuses to a great extent on the biotechs, also on the energy sector, and also to an extent on the mining sector as well. And Chen sort of moves from sector to sector depending on which ones you can make more money in, rather than yours truly, who tends to stick more or less with the mining sector through thick or thin. Chen is uh, more opportunistic in that regard, moves into sectors that are doing very well. So he's becoming a bit more interested now in the mining sector than he has been in the past, I should say. So, ChenPicks.com is the place to go for Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? And I do want to thank you for listening to this show, all of you, uh, making it one of the more one of the more listened-to shows on the Voice America Business Channel, and also encourage you to send along any comments you might have about this show to questionsforTaylor@gmail.com. at gmail.com, questions at number four, taylor at gmail.com. And last but not least, we do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show, Novo Resources, Great Bear Resources, and Irving Resources. I've titled today's show, Big Profits from Armageddon. Richard Mayberry and Michael Oliver return, as I just mentioned. Michael will be with me in just a second. Addison Qually visits for the first time. The title of today's show, Big Profits from Armageddon, was taken from a subtitle from Richard Mayberry's most, recently, most recent monthly letter, covering the uh, months of October and November, many people equate the word Armageddon with the word apocalypse to mean the end of the world, usually in biblical terms. But actually, Armageddon refers to a hilltop where Christian believers will gather and be saved from the apocalypse at the end of time. Well, I'm quite sure Richard wasn't uh, really talking about the end of time. I don't think that's exactly what he had in mind in his article, but he did focus on the potential use of nuclear weapons in an increasingly unstable global political environment. Richard has some very interesting thoughts about Donald Trump and past presidents, and he believes that despite much consternation in the news about the current president, some of which he shares— you shouldn't worry, but rather find ways to profit from what is likely to take financial markets down hard, in Richard's view. So we'll ask Richard to talk about that, walk us through his thinking in this matter uh, about how you can actually profit from, uh, from bad things that take place in this world. For the longest time, one of the, more, one of the major excuses for not owning, owning gold was that it pays no interest. Well, that simply is no longer true. Addison Qualley of Monetary Metals will be with me right after our first commercial break to explain how you can actually generate positive yields of 2% or more from leasing your gold in what I believe is a very low-risk endeavor. So at a time when the world is sending money to the United States in search, desperate search, for high-quality positive-yielding debt instruments, uh, yielding investment-grade positive yields in U.S. dollar debt, There is a safer way for investors to earn yield that is as good or better than investment-grade U.S. debt instruments, and that is by leasing gold. Not only can you enjoy positive yield by leasing your gold bullion, but the interest that you earn uh, in your gold lease is also in uh, gold. And, of course, gold retains its purchasing power over long periods of time. Addison will be with me right after the first uh, commercial break, as I mentioned, to explain the Monetary Metals Program and how you can uh, take advantage of it. Certainly, if you take a long-term view of gold as a store of wealth, it is easy to realize that gold is eternal wealth, at least until the end of time. So, while some of you may be concerned with the recent weakness in yellow metal, I'm really happy to tell you that Michael Oliver is here to help calm your nerves. Thanks for joining me again, Michael. Hi, Jake. Good to be back. Always good to have you with me, and uh, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about your writing, I, it is a, a technical approach to uh, to the letters, your proprietary tech, technical approach actually, um, which is why not every Tom, Dick, and Harry is using it and why I think it's effective, but uh, y- you have also a clever way of writing. I think you, for someone who's so technical, you also have some interesting, you, you parse words in an interesting way, so the titles of a couple of your recent letters Uh, sense of ripening conditions referring to the markets that there's some ripening going on and some markets are ready to or are maturing and getting ready for the next move and another title is movement now by major markets gold is watching those moves so i know we kind of covered this topic last week but uh, your idea was that there's for gold to make its next major move probably going to have to see some changes in some key markets like the dollar stocks and commodities where do some of those key markets stand now? Uh, I know we just talked to you last week, but do you see any wh- – wh- what are your thoughts about those markets now? Well, at, when we measure them, we measure them via long-term momentum technical factors, not
2: just the, looking at the price charts or you know, reading the headlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the, two of the most dormant markets <laughs> we've seen in years, uh, go back about a year or more in the dollar, and you'll see about a 3% range. Go back um, to 2016 and look at the Bloomberg Commodity Index, and you'll see a very narrow range, uh, basing out after a major collapse, dollar after a rally, it stalled. And so both markets are quiet, but they're major. They're huge asset categories. And if they do move, uh, we suspect they'll move pretty sharply and violently. uh, It will shock most people who are watching markets, because frankly, they've been lulled to sleep looking at the dollar, which they consider, quote, firm, yeah. and uh, and commodities, which they consider depressed, and that's true. But commodities aren't going down. The dollar is not going up. The dollar is where it was uh, 14 months ago. Uh, just draw a line sideways from August of uh, 2018. So now, if these two market categories can move, uh, it will no doubt generate... Uh, investor preference shifts further than what we've seen. We've seen, obviously, an investor preference shift for T bonds and for gold. They've gone mm-hmm. up sharply over the last year. Uh, price in bonds drop in yields and a large rise in gold. But gold's done that without any assistance from what you would consider to be the normal factors that might drive gold, like a weak dollar. It's not been weak, it's been sideways to up. Slightly, And uh, if you look at commodities, they've not cheered gold on with the commodity price rise. Instead, what we've seen is a commodity sideways action. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's been no cheering from the commodities behind gold, no, no second wind. Uh, and the stock market, if you look at it, go back to January 2018, it was a 28.72. We're all of about 3 or 4% above there now. So mm-hmm. even the stock market, despite some violent downs and violent ups, is basically where it was a year and a half, almost two years ago. So these three major asset categories have not sort of sponsored gold, but gold's done it on its own. Okay, our assessment was a month ago, when gold was in the mid-1500s, that it would go into a congestion consolidation zone, take a breath, you know, after a huge move, uh, and wait for one or more of these categories to shift trend. Well, the stock market is still comfortably—not comfortably—single <laughs> percentage-wise above mm-hmm. levels that we determine will collapse it, not take it down. Collapse it. Okay,
3: mm-hmm. but it's,
2: it's uh, you know five percent above our first level and about eight to nine percent above the second level. Let's take the S and P off the page. Let's go look at the, at the uh, dollar. The dollar has dropped a couple points from ni- above ninety-nine down to ninety-seven area, and we have a trigger number in the low 97s, that if you close a month below it, we think it's topped and it will head down, probably with uh, some whoosh effect, which -hmm. will surprise people, again, because they're asleep at the switch. Meanwhile, the exact opposite is occurring with the Bloomberg Commodity Index. In fact, if you look at our momentum studies of both, they're inverse. You get almost their mirror opposites. One is living above a certain structure, the three-quarter moving average on the dollar, and one is living below it, the Bloomberg Commodity Index, for the last year and a half, trying to get above it. Well, right now, the Bloomberg Commodity Index is all of 1% below our upside breakout level, and the dollar has actually traded at and below our downside breakout level. So they're both at the gate, is what I would label them. Uh Uh, These are two major categories, and we think if they shift, and we think they'll shift opposite, pretty much in sync with each other, that should definitely inject some new... um, strength into the gold market. Uh, this time around, you'll have external evidence that justifies the gold move uh, to the upside. And mm-hmm. I think that's pending. I think we're there. We're staring at the gate right now in both those major markets. And so I, we've urged our gold uh, investors to, instead of looking to day-to-day nonsense action in gold, which is up, down, mm-hmm. up, down, up, down, yeah. with a very little deterioration over a three-month period. To look instead at the dollar index and the Bloomberg commodity index as the next major factors for gold.
1: All right. If uh, the dollar and commodities are at the gate, Michael, what about the T bond? Uh, you know, my big question, my big, big question in my mind is when and when and if does the T bond uh, no longer provide a safe haven when the equity markets or other things go wrong?
2: Mm, yes. Uh, that will be scary, uh, yeah. and that's fine. It will happen. <laughs> the uh, T-bond market, uh, the talking price up now, uh, we called an yeah. upturn in, in December of last year. T-bonds were, T-bond futures were in the 140s, low 140s. They shot up to uh, near 170 recently, and now they're congesting. They've had a pullback, a pretty sharp pullback, about 10 points in the bonds, And the yields have risen. This is talking 30-year bond futures. This is also true, by the way, with the German bunds, 10-year bunds, and the JGBs, Japanese government bonds, which have also dropped back down in price, therefore risen in yield, which, of course, is not something that the central banks of those countries wanted to happen, but it happened because market forces are in charge here. We're not sure right now whether the bonds are ready to top, meaning actually rise in yield on a sustained basis. Uh But they are at a structure that either they break it now, in in, in the next few weeks, or they hold it and rally back one more time, meaning Mm -hmm. we get another drop in yields. It could be that if if the stock market weakens, obviously what will happen is more more investors will jump back into bonds again. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, this T-bond market is not in a position for sustained upside, meaning sustained lower yields. It's mm-hmm. setting up for a downturn, meaning higher yields on a sustained basis, which, of course, would be total chaos for the central banks if that happened. Oh, boy, we yes. think it will happen. We're just not sure that it's going to happen now. It may be probably by the end of the year it will happen, but we're not sure that the recent drop in bonds is the start of a downturn in price for T-bonds.
1: All right, they continue, well, It will we'll
2: hold here and sustain for another month or two uh, prior to a drop.
1: Well, that's going will be to be a, a big, chaotic event. Yeah, I was going to say that's going to be a really big one—a big one to keep our eyes on—and we'll be no doubt mm-hmm. asking you about that uh, to comment on that going forward. But with just about a minute left here, Michael, um, you, you sent me a note. Uh, you said the assumption by uh, by the Republicans and Trump folks uh, is that essentially, as as long as the economy remains strong, they they pretty much don't have to worry about Trump's reelection. I mean, uh, to me, that's first of all, I don't. I don't believe the economy is everything that's cracked up to be to start with. Uh, But what are your thoughts on that, and what might that mean for these markets? If it starts to look as if we might have an Elizabeth Warren or somebody of that far-left ilk, what are your thoughts
2: about that? Even if it's not Warren, if it's anybody on that side that wins the presidency, that means that Congress will also go that way, which means uh-huh. a lot of people who are socialist-leaning will go that way. Okay, right now, that assumption's not not really popular. It's, it's not assumed to be, be a, a likely course. But I caution that our work says that the S&P 500 can't even sneeze. You can't even begin what is called a minor correction. If you do, there are structures below one momentum that say it will be a, a rapid demise. Okay. What leads? Does the market lead the economy, or does the economy lead the market? Most people think that economic metrics, the stuff we see on Fox Business News and CNBC, that, you know, what's this number, what's that number out of the government? Those are the determining factors. I argue the other way around, Uh, and we've seen it before. If the stock market goes, those numbers will go. So Mm -hmm. reverse cart before the horse, uh, reverse it. Uh, Mm -hmm. If the stock market goes, it will take... Those economic numbers that Moody's recently mm-hmm. said will give Trump a landslide, mm-hmm. assuming those economic numbers prevail. And we argue that what will cause those economic numbers to turn is the stock market, mm-hmm. the inflated bubble. And mm-hmm. if it goes, all those numbers, you can flush them, they'll change dramatically, yeah. rapidly. Yeah. Uh, in which case, the, you know, the assumption that he has a solid economic background for him to get reelected on. Uh, could go like a light switch.
1: Well, it's very shaky, I think. And indeed, the connection yep. is, of course, the massive amount of leverage to the stock market and, and how many, you know, even even uh, pension funds and the like that have gone out on the high, you know, taking up all that risk in the equity markets because mm-hmm. they can't get yep. yield in the debt markets because of the, uh, I would say, the bastardization of the of the debt markets by the mm-hmm. central banks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, there's it's likely to be picture, trouble ahead. But, uh, it, is, it is a dark picture, but we're going to do what we can. All right, but Michael. again, well, it's, th-
2: uh, like you said, uh, make money.
1: <laughs> well, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking yeah. to Richard Mayberry in the last section of, the, of today, uh, trying to figure out how we can you know, perceive what's going to go wrong or what's likely to go wrong, and then uh, do the best we can to profit from it. So uh, thank you very much once again, Michael, for Thanks, being Jay. with us and for your insights. Always appreciated. Uh, even when they're gloomy all right folks we do have to go to break but don't go away because i'll be back with addison quali of monetary metals to help you figure out how you can safely earn some yield on your gold bullion we'll be right back
2: Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia.
1: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time my friend Addison Qualley with me. Addison, uh, is uh, he, he first got his start in finance and investment consulting from Cambridge Associates back in 2008. After discovering the importance of gold as money, he subsequently joined Peter Schiff's precious metals uh, firm, Schiff Gold in New York, and served as senior broker for there for three years. He has now spent the last three years working at Monetary Metals. That's a company which offers investors the unique value uh, proposition of a yield on gold, paid in gold. In other words, gold interest. Monetary Metals also provides gold financing for miners as well as uh, other businesses that work with gold. Addison uh, holds an economics degree from Harvard University as well as an MDIV from Uh, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and he lives in uh, New Jersey with his wife and two children. Um, Welcome, Addison. It's really good to have you with me.
4: Yeah, thanks, Jay. It's uh, a great pleasure and honor to be on your show. It is really uh, great to have you with
1: me, and I should mention that we have had uh, your boss, the founder of Monetary Metals, Dr. Keith Wainer, with us on this show in the past, and he's introduced to us some important concepts to explain why you need to own gold, Uh, But today, what I really would like to do with you, Addison, is to get down to the more practical aspects of how people can actually uh, safely earn yield on their gold. Because, you know, for the most, uh, one of the major uh, excuses for not only gold, one of the reasons that the lovers of fiat money, the lovers of fraudulent fiat money, I should say, have always tried to tell you you shouldn't own gold is because it pays no interest. Well. Fraudulent fiat money pays no interest right now. In fact, in some cases, makes you pay for the privilege of lending your money, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but now, of course, um, and as uh, we, Addison, we've had um, Alistair McLeod has recently talked about time preference. And everybody, you know, you'd rather have hold your gold today unless you can get a sufficient interest or yield on it by letting go of it for the next year or whatever the time frame is. Uh, and actually, what I think what you're doing here, as I understand it, is you're providing people with the opportunity of getting uh, a, a yield that is that is worthwhile, at least to some people, uh, by leasing their leasing their gold, uh, and rather than just letting it sit in the vault. So uh, let's explore this idea. First of all, I'm wondering um, if you could you talk a little bit about leasing as opposed to loaning. It's my understanding that if I am a lessor, if I'm lending gold or whatever the item is, it could be money as well, it could be fiat money, I'm leasing or leasing uh, my car, uh, I still own the car. But when you make a loan, you're um, you're actually lending your money, you're lending it and you are really an unsecured creditor essentially right is that the difference between leasing and lending because as I understand it what you do at monetary metals is you lease gold out to uh, to merchants
4: yes that's correct Uh, there is a there is a world of difference between leasing and loaning um, especially also for the uh, the business so I think yeah if you use the word rent that almost makes it more clear if you rent a car you know, mm-hmm. you go on a trip and you rent a car from uh, the airport. Um, it's obvious that the car doesn't belong to you; it continues to to belong to the rental company. Um, basically, in in our offering called Gold Gold Fixed Income, you're leasing your metal out, which essentially means you're enabling uh, a a business that works with gold to rent your metal for the year. You continue to be the owner. Uh, you continue to hold title to the metal. And the company that's leasing your metal, the benefit for them is uh, it's not on their balance sheet. So it doesn't affect sort of their debt equity ratio. Uh, it's, it's held off balance sheet. So there's a number of different uh, benefits from all this, apart from higher security, that, that it's a lease, not a loan. Uh, and in a loan also, if you lend somebody gold, they may liquidate it for cash and um, you don't actually own it at the time anymore. Uh-huh. And they may pay it back with gold in the future, but they're going to have to go out and buy it first. Mm-hmm. You know, leaps, uh, when you lease someone metal, the metal doesn't cease to exist or anything. It actually just changes form and location. Mm-hmm. So maybe you'd start off with, you know, coins in the vault in Delaware and you lease to a jeweler in New York and it's merely switching. Now, it now instead of coins in Delaware, it's uh gold, bracelets sitting in the Brinks vault in New York. All right.
1: So I I understand then that from the merchant's point of view, one of the reasons that he might want to lease gold instead of borrowing money from a bank to buy the gold uh, is that he doesn't have to put it on his balance sheet. In other words, it it reduces the leverage that he would have on his balance sheet.
4: Exactly. That's just one of the benefits. The other benefit is, and maybe the key benefit is, if you think about it, and it's kind of surprising that no one's thought of this beforehand, but you know, a, a jeweler, for example, uh, they their revenues are based on the gold price. So it's kind of silly to think. Well, and, and these businesses they need financing. So let's say they need to build up their inventory. They're going to go to the bank and they're going to get a loan for a million dollars. What are they going to do with that? And take the million dollars, and they're going to buy gold, you know, gold chain. They're going to pound it into necklaces, and then they're going to sell it. Well, what if they go out, they borrow a million dollars to buy, say, 700 ounces of gold, and by the time they have those gold chains come to market a month later, the gold price isn't fifteen hundred dollars anymore. It's now 1200. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're in trouble now they're uh, they're insolvent because the uh, you know, the product they're about to sell is is worth less than the loan. yeah so so they, so they have to hedge. They have to oh. go and, and uh, hedge the gold price. Which means that instead of borrowing from the bank at five percent, they're borrowing from the bank at five percent plus. They now have to hedge, so now add another one or two percent. So it's really more mm-hmm. like seven percent. Mm-hmm. Um, the what we do at Monetary Metals is we say, hey, you know, instead of having your financing and your revenues apples to oranges, and you have to hedge, why not just have it apples to apples? If your if your revenues are in gold, why don't you borrow in gold? Mm-hmm. And, right. and then you have to worry about fluctuating gold price. So that's right. one of the added benefits. That's why companies want to lease your metal. All
1: right. Very good. Well what what kind of businesses, real quickly here, Addison, what kind of businesses are interested jewelers, that kind of thing? Uh, uh, what kind of businesses are are really interested in doing this then? I guess so they're businesses that actually use gold.
4: Yes. these the final are product. For, yeah. so this offering is called gold fixed income and it's and it's lease focused. Uh, so these are businesses that have a physical inventory of metal, so that could be a bullion dealer, a jeweler, it could even be a metals recycler, mm-hmm. um, mints, mining companies, it's actually surprising. We have a gold manufacturer, they make, you know, paper thin, uh, sort of golden, gold dollar bills. Mm-hmm. So it's like a- I've seen you know? yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So yes. Yeah.
1: Um- so how much, how much gold do investors need to get involved with this? Because as I understand it, monetary metals will package a deal and then they'll have maybe, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 or maybe more investors that send their metal to, uh, to, to, to monetary metals and monetary metals and makes one lease to, to a jeweler, let's say, for example. How much, how much gold do people need to own? They can send their coins or maple leaves or rands, whatever they own, I guess, and they can use them in that way, right? And then they, do they get those metals, they get those coins back at the end of the term, usually a one-year
4: lease term, as I understand it. That's correct. Um, yeah, so you can, you can fund an account with either cash or gold. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you have coins at home. You can send those in, or maybe you want to keep some metal at home, and that's, that actually makes a lot of sense. Maybe you want to take some dollars and buy new gold, and uh, have that be what is, is leased out. So instead of you know having a savings account in dollars, which isn't earning uh, you know a high percentage, you know you can earn two to four and a half percent in gold um, in ounces. And this is you know this isn't metal that you you brought in from home. You can you can use new cash. Um, so yes, uh, we will take basically all our investors. They will have gold on hand in Delaware or other vaults. We have another partner. We have a number of partner vaults around the world and we'll send them a presentation. We'll say, hey, uh, Acme Jewelry Company wants to lease 2000 ounces of gold. Here's their presentation. Here's who they are. Uh, this is what the deal is gonna be doing. This is, these are the risks involved. This is how we try to mitigate those risks. And if you like it, you can make an offer. And, it, and uh, this essentially goes to auction. Uh, we determine an interest rate by auction. And uh, if your metal gets accepted into the deal, it will go out to that company for the year and uh, you'll start earning interest, usually monthly or quarterly. And at the end of the year, yeah, you'd have the opportunity to roll it over into the next year or take your metal home.
1: And taking it home could go back to the, uh, to the trust, to the depository. Uh, and you, you, as I understand it, you won't necessarily get your same Krugerrands or Maple Leafs back. You'll get an account, uh, an account that is, it's your gold but it's not the same product as you maybe leased uh, to a monetary metals to start with.
4: Yes. You can uh, fund with, with regular coins, LBMA approved, uh, nationally minted coins. And and you can, you can withdraw on those coins as well.
1: Um, Okay. What I really would like to know uh, to make me feel comfortable about this, Addison is risk. Can you talk about what the risks might be and, um uh, in in an investor sending his say 10 rands or 5 rands or whatever to uh, to monitor metals
4: right uh, and yes the minimum account with us is 10 ounces um mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of the key question you know how do you know your metal's safe and you know what if 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 it's not safe uh you know what the, there's really not a, a compelling reason to do this um but that that is what our company is all about is um providing a safe way for investors to earn a yield on their gold. Um, you know, we really start out with, you know, to take a step back. We, we have multiple layers. We look we look at how the deal is, is coming together, what the company is, what they are doing with the metal and the potential risks involved. And then we put multiple layers of controls in place to mitigate those risks. So, you know, the first thing is we vet the company. We want to know who they are, their history, uh, the people, uh, their track record, their financials. We want to know that they're not uh, a risk to go bankrupt. Um, so that's obvious, you know, a, a big um, thing that we want to do. Uh, the other thing is in a lease, it's not about necessarily credit risk, though. It's about operational risk because the yeah. metal is present at all times. So really, come comes down to where's the metal? Is it being taken care of? And uh, so it comes down to inventory controls, Um we, um, we want to look at how they handle their inventory. Do they have a good track record of it? Do they have a, a good system in place? Do we have visibility into that? And, um, you know, generally, so then we'll put controls in place, like daily audits. Uh, we will be able to check up on their inventory on a regular basis. We get corporate guarantees. We get personal guarantees. Um, one thing we do is we have a UCC uh, mm-hmm. filed the courts and that declares before the courts in the world, you know, this metal that that's being leased out belongs to monetary metals investors, not the company. Right. So bankruptcy is, as a risk is mitigated that way. And then overall uh, we have insurance. Like every lessee has to have insurance for the full amount of the metal. And on top of that, we get Lloyd's of London insurance as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: So we yeah, I mean, this is- put a lot of redundancies in.
1: Yeah, it seems to me that, um, you know, Alistair McLeod talked about the time preference. That is, you have uh, – you don't want to let – I mean, uh, holding the medal today is worth more than letting it go. I mean, you, you'd rather own it unless you, – and you'll let it go, but you'll need to leave it go. You'll leave it out of your possession if you can get a return. That satisfies you. So, right. uh, what sort of what sort of returns, with, given this the very what I consider to be very low risk, what kind of returns are investors generally getting on these lease deals?
4: So, our lease deals have range from two to four and a half percent interest, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of that depends on you know the company that that uh, that is doing the deal. Uh, companies with with a stronger track record that are bigger. Um, are going to have a lower rate uh, than a company that's you know uh, just smaller or maybe a company that's internationally based. Yeah. Again, uh, your metal is never going to go into a deal unless you're okay with the interest rate. You're actually right. in the driver's seat. So if a deal comes down the pike and you know you say, okay, well I want you know three and a half percent on this, and the deal clears at three percent, your metal doesn't go into the deal.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, so you you do have total control over that. And so that's one of the real benefits. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's different um, types of deals. And so there's different rates come out of it, according to investor preference.
1: Well, I know that you also are doing uh, different kinds of things. I, know, I think you're also possibly uh, getting ready to do a bond, a gold-backed bond, or a, a gold bond, actually. Uh, and maybe that's something we can talk about in the future. But for now, Addison, uh, tell our listeners, I guess they can basically go uh, they go to our website I know we have a uh, pe- people can go to our website and click on the banner there and they can uh, learn more I mean there's lots of details we just simply don't have the time to get into here today and every deal is somewhat different so there will, every deal will have different details so uh, people can contact you can they can they do so by going through my uh, through our website at J Taylor media they click on the gold uh, monetary metals banner is that the way to do it
4: yeah, that would be a great way. I think there's a, an ad uh, on the top left, and you could also email me at addison at monetary com, and I'd be happy to answer any questions.
1: All right. Well, it's really an interesting thing, and uh, I think at a time when, uh, when fiat money is giving you negative yields, I mean, for goodness sakes, or even if you get 1% or 2%, you're getting 1% or 2% in a fiat currency that is losing value over long periods of time. Gold retains its value. It retains its purchasing power. And uh, you only have to look at the dollar. It's lost 93% or so of its value since the Federal Reserve was created in 1913. And of course, more recently, we've seen gold rise. And in my lifetime, from $35 to $1,900, now around $1,500. So clearly, longer term, gold is uh, its value. It holds its value. So and if you can get a yield, a safe yield on top of that, I think so much the better. Addison, I want to thank you very much for being with us. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk again sometime in the future. I think you have deals coming up from time to time, right? So uh, people should um, should check you check out your
4: story. Yes, to... we do uh, a number of deals each year. So, yes, okay. that's Excellent.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much for being with us. Well, folks, we do have to go to break now. Don't go away. I'll have uh, Richard Mayberry with me, the author of Richard Mayberry's U.S. and World Earning Report to talk about Armageddon, how to profit from Armageddon. Are you kidding me? Anyway, we'll be right back with Richard Mayberry.
3: Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSX and GTBDF on the OTCQB, is a gold exploration company focused on their wholly owned Dixie project in the prolific Red Lake Mining District of Canada. Having recently made four major gold discoveries, GBR is now fully funded to drill 90,000 meters through to the year 2020 as part of a very active exploration program. Rob McEwen of McEwen Mining, a Red Lake veteran, is a significant shareholder following a recent $5.7 million investment. To stay up to date, visit GreatBearResources.ca.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
1: Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Richard Mayberry, and he is the publisher of U.S. and World Early Warning Report uh, for investors. And uh, just jot down the website, it's earlywarningreport.com, earlywarningreport.com. I've been a subscriber to Richard's newsletter for many years now. I keep each and every issue, hard copy issue, I file away. Uh, I find them extremely valuable. Uh, he has a, a great understanding of history and unless we you know study history, we're doomed to repeat it uh, and of course you can well I'm old enough now to have seen um, a cycle a, a, several cycles but uh, in terms of uh, what is happening the values of our country when I was a young kid growing up in Dalton, Ohio uh, as opposed to what I'm seeing here now at least in New York City completely different attitude about, Government and um, uh, and Rick Mayberry more than anybody I know uh, has a good handle on that, and um, he, he has. Uh, I think he has really a good good uh, perspective on uh, on on how our country could be better, uh, how we could treat each other better. He has a very strong uh, ethical uh, leaning, and he's a very honest fellow. That I've learned to know him as I say many years. Mrs. Taylor and I have met with Rick and his wife in California. We find them to be delightful people, to great friends, and uh, so it's always a pleasure to welcome Richard back on the show. Thanks for joining me again, Richard.
3: Well, that's uh, a very nice build-up. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate it very much. Um, That's a very honest
1: one. Uh, It's a very honest one. It's a sincere one, Richard, and I, uh, I really mean it with all my heart.
3: Well, thank you, thank you, and let me congratulate you, and I don't know how many years you've been doing this show, but you do a really great job here that very few other people are even trying to do, uh, to to give a rational alternative to the mainstream press view of things, and uh, thank you very much, you know, for me personally, thank you very much for your show.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, Well, there are some others out there, and uh, in fact, uh, you did a very nice interview with Rick Rule. Uh, that I happen to see in preparation for this show today, I think it uh, was excellent, and might want to actually talk about some of the things that you and Rick talked about. As a matter of fact, uh, okay. I was as I uh, it, you know he you talked on that show with Rick about a transitional period of time that we're in right now, where we're moving from less of a centralized world government or a move towards a one world government away from that towards decentralized government, a populist movement, if you will, where people. Uh, I want to go back to na- nationalism, uh, uh, an idea of having government closer to you rather than allowing people far, far away determine what your wants and needs are. Uh, there is this movement, which in my way of thinking is a very healthy movement, towards uh, people wanting to have government closer to them. But could you perhaps talk about some of the events? We, I mean, we've seen this per- personified with Donald Trump for sure in the U.S., Brexit in England. But maybe you can give us some other examples of where that might be taking place around the globe, and and what are your thoughts about this trend?
3: Is it good or um, bad? Well, um, well, uh, n- nobody um, nobody admires the American founders more than I I do. Mm-hmm. Yet um, they made a really big mistake, uh, and that is that the Bill of Rights stops at the border. Um, the rights that you and I grew up under that we took for granted, freedom of speech, freedom of press, all the rest of it, um, those are wonderful. But the, those protections against the government's encroachments do not extend beyond the borders. So a U.S. power junkie who wants his hands on the levers of power in Washington and really he's got plans for you and he's going to make sure you follow those plans. Well, he can't do that very well inside the United States because of the Bill of Rights, but he can go outside the country and do anything he wants. Mm -hmm. And that is what, essentially, American presidents have been doing all of my life. I was born in 1946, and they've all been doing it, uh, and they were doing it long before that. Um, People who want political power want it to be able to do something to somebody and uh, they go abroad, and they play God in other countries. I'm speaking from experience. I was in the mm-hmm. 605th Special Operations Squadron, and uh, I was part of that effort to make mm-hmm. other countries, uh, it, make, them, make them over into the image and likeness of America. And these, uh, these politicians have been meddling. They meddle in every country. And let me say that again, U.S. politicians meddle in every country. I know that because I've done the research on it. There is no exception. Everybody in the world has the U.S. president as their president, and they don't like it. Big surprise. <laughs> um, and what's going on very largely is because of, of all of this U.S. meddling in these other countries, um, that's the the main thing driving this attempt to uh, as you say bring government closer to the people for for them to escape the interference from abroad and have their own independent countries that operate according to whatever you know the uh, customs and traditions of the individual country might be um, right now, it's, the the American president is so powerful, he can wake up in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. and, and send out a, a few dozen words of tweets around the world and upset apple carts around the world. Mm-hmm. He can wipe out millions and millions and millions of, of dollars of people's savings without them having anything to say about it at all. He, he can create Panic in the financial markets that easily, and he does it on a pretty regular basis. So I think that's what probably the main thing that's driving this nationalism movement around the country, around the world, for for countries to no longer be subject to mainly the U.S. president and anybody else who wants to interfere in their countries.
1: Yeah, it would seem as though you, you talk about the Bill of Rights stopping at our borders. I think there's some concern uh, among Americans that the Bill of Rights are also being taken away from us here in the U.S. as well, and oh, that was yes, maybe one of Absolutely. the reasons that Donald Trump one of the reasons that Donald Trump was elected. But uh, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, uh, are you worried about that? For example, the, the Second Amendment or the First Amendment, for that for that matter.
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, nobody believes in the Second Amendment like I do. Uh, I, I shouldn't say that. that's not true.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of people but, believe in the Second Amendment. Yeah, uh, right, but I know right. that but I know that you do, Richard.
3: Yeah, um, but I, I believe in the whole thing, and the whole thing um, includes that phrase a, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. Mm-hmm. In other words, Um, We should have the kind of military force that Switzerland does, which is a defensive force that does not meddle in other countries, does not get into other people's wars, but is very well trained and equipped to protect this country. Uh, That's what I believe in, uh, the full Second Amendment. It it doesn't say the well-regulated militia um, is optional. It says it's necessary. And uh, that's, uh, you know, I was in the U.S. military. I know what the job really is for the U.S. military, and it doesn't have a whole lot to do with defending America. It's mostly about expanding the U.S. empire around the world. And uh, I want to see the full Second Amendment enforced.
1: Of course, meddling, uh, Richard. We know there's only one political party in the United States that does that. Uh, that would be the Republican Party, right? So, uh, oh, meddling, meddling. Let's see, meddling. The United States meddles all around the world, but we dare not have anybody uh, put some ads in the U.S. Uh, on on Facebook in the United States that might suggest uh, somebody other than Hillary Clinton be elected or whoever they decide. It's interesting how we how how we meddle everywhere, but. Anybody that tries to do anything at all to sway opinions within the United States is somehow evil.
3: Yeah, uh, you know what can you say? I mean, it it would be, um, I think it would be very frightening to live in another country and know that someone that you have no control over whatsoever in the White House in the U.S. can mm-hmm. can make a mess out of your country anytime he feels like it. He's got that much power. He he is. You know, you know this actually kind of brings us to uh, the uh, question or the uh, issue that you and I are talking about about uh, profiting from Armageddon. Did, right. Would you like to get into that?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about that because that was a big part of your last, uh, your last, your most recent newsletter. Uh, Profits from Ar- Armageddon and uh, essentially. Well, we'll just talk to uh, to our listeners about what you were what you were talking about in there, and why you're not really. I mean, you're talking about Armageddon, and you and you get into the nuclear, the potential for nuclear war, and you're not really that concerned about it. Uh, maybe you'd like to walk us through that.
3: Your, yeah, your thoughts I'm not concerned about. I'm not concerned about a nuclear war at all. But I'm very, very interested in the possibility of coming close to one. Mm-hmm. Um and what that would do to the financial markets and the opportunities that would would create. Um, most people are not aware that when the nuclear policy, um, I forget what it's called, but the nuclear, nuclear policy uh, of the Trump administration was established about a year ago, or maybe a little more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, they said in there that if, there is a large attack on anything that has to do with uh, the Pentagon's uh, command and control structure mm-hmm. that could be uh, responded to with nuclear weapons. Wow! Now, now the the rule around the world ever since 1945 has, uh, or ever since. Uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Mm -hmm. Nagasaki, everybody immediately realized we've all got a promise not to do a first strike with nuclear weapons because once you do that, you've opened the door, and you don't want to do that. So um, there's this this, uh, implicit assumption in every country that has nuclear weapons that they will not use them except in retaliation against a nuclear attack. Mm -hmm. They will not be the first to use nuclear weapons. Well, that was wiped away by this change about a year ago. Under the Trump administration, they said they can use nuclear weapons as a first strike against uh, some sort of non-nuclear attack. Well, (laughs) the word they used was command and control structure. That, That term. Well, the Internet now is part of the command and control structure. Sure. The Pentagon uses it all over the world. And if, I should say when, because attacks on the Internet are becoming just, you know, every day, like uh, when a really big one hits the United States um, and shuts things down for a few days or weeks or whatever, what the Trump administration is saying is they are now allowed to use nuclear weapons to respond to that. Hmm. Now, I don't believe it will happen because I don't believe that the military will let him do it. But he's been thinking along those lines. You can tell every once in a while he'll make a comment about nuclear weapons. There's a famous one about uh, the nuclear button that's on his desk is bigger than the button that's on Kim Jong-il's desk. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> in North Korea. Yeah. Um, uh, that's a really bad thing to say. <laughs> you don't want to bring nuclear weapons into any kind of a discussion. You want to back away from it as much as possible because mm-hmm. the, the risk of trigger, triggering an accident can be so horrific. Well, you know, he's, he's got that mentality. I, even if you're a big fan of Donald Trump, and i am if if I have to choose between the socialists and him, then I would choose him but um if if he's got this ability um to or if he or, or any even just the inclination to say, "You yeah, know, I'm thinking about nuking those people for doing that yeah um the the stock market is just gonna go. Crazy. I mean, uh, all the financial markets will just collapse if yeah. he does that. He, all right, and so, it's so plausible to me. He'll wake up one night at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, this, this hacking attack is a terrible thing, and I'm going to nuke somebody for it. If well, Richard, that, let, me, let,
1: uh, yeah, let me ask you, though, Richard. I mean, uh, the markets, believing that's a possibility, would, would be acting rationally, it seems, in a way although yeah. I don't know what's left after a nuclear war. But, right. I mean, why are you not so concerned? Why and, and The commander-in-chief, after all, is the one that's supposed to have the ability uh-huh. to launch a nuclear war, right? And, and what can that's his right. underlings do to stop him?
3: That's exactly my point. Is um, I spent four years in the military, and I know pretty well how military people think, and I'm quite sure... That the generals that would have to respond to his order to fire not only wouldn't do it, um, they would make sure that he suddenly disappears. Because if they fire, you know, civilization is over with, and mm-hmm. I don't think they'll let him do it. So, now, now, if somebody attacked us with nuclear weapons, they would go ahead and respond. But I, I am in totally convinced. They will not let him fire if he tries to respond to a hacking attack with a nuclear weapon. And and they will do whatever is necessary to stop him. And I mean that literally. So um, All right, I'm convinced Rick. that it's very likely, I would give it at least a 60% probability, that he will trigger off a... A crash in the stock market by talking about using nuclear weapons, but it actually won't happen. And so the crash that happens is going to be a fantastic buying opportunity. Yeah. And, um, you know, if it happens, I'm going to be out there buying stuff with both hands because oh. I think there will be so many bargains out there, so many high-quality investments that will crash mm-hmm. that it's going to be like... Um, you know, the biggest buying opportunity in history, very possibly.
1: Now, yeah. Rick, with just a, about a minute left here yet, uh, I know that you've done very well with defense stocks over the years, and, and some of those have to do with, um, with exactly what we're talking about, safeguarding against uh, Internet attacks, right? Would you care to yes. mention a couple of names, uh, companies that, that are really involved in that, that, uh, that you think still present, uh, prevent, uh, present good value?
3: Oh yeah, uh, my fa- uh, favorite one. Let's see, where's my list here?
1: <laughs> um, I have lists. Okay. Uh, yeah, here I'm looking at
3: your letter. Yeah, okay, um, I got them. Um, yeah. yeah, my very favorite is CACI International. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, they're they're the the premier, the the very top. Um, uh, internet uh, security company, and okay. um, I, I compare them. Uh, they're sort of the Lockheed of mm-hmm. that part of the uh, of the security industry. So that, right. they're my first choice. Uh, All right, we'll AI. have to.
1: Okay, we'll have to leave it go at that. And those of you who want to know more about Rick's uh, picks, sign up for his newsletter. And uh, you need to go to earlywarningreport.com, dot early com. dot com. Never enough time with you, Rick. We're out of time. Thank you so much for spending time with us, and we'll look forward to doing it again sometime real soon.
0: That is it for today, folks.
1: Uh, Next week, uh, we're going to have David McElvenny will be with us, uh, Michael Oliver, and I suspect we'll have a surprise guest as well. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you.
0: Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor.